Welcome back to the Jesse Golden Podcast. We are talking all about the ultimate fat loss techniques, how to ensure that you keep your fat loss results and also keep a healthy relationship with food. Both, of course, very important if you're going to go through the trouble of losing the weight, which can be a pain in the ass, at least to some degree. You know, it's not as fun as just your maintenance lifestyle. Then why would we go through that if A, you're going to ruin your relationship with the food or B, you're not going to keep the damn results, right? Now, just as a reminder, if you are interested in having me by your side or you want the step-by-step guidance through the online course, Doors to SLA open on January 22nd. It's the first time in a long time I'll be running it or offering it rather as a group program. You can do DIY or with a group four months long. So excited to be walking side by side with those who decide to join me on the four month long journey. So you can sign up for the wait list below. Doors are opening so, so soon and we get started as a group on February 1st. Now let's go ahead and dive in. So the reason that I created SLA and just even started talking about sustainable fat loss is because I saw a lot of massive gaps in the industry and it really has been a labor of love for me. After I got over the fear of what everyone was going to think because tying relationship with food to fat loss is still controversial for a lot of people and certainly was more so at the time where you're either anti-diet or making physique changes way too strict and rigid, right? There's not a lot of wiggle room in there for most of the bigger people we see on the internet. Not incorporating someone's relationship with food into the process. It's baffling to me that that is an afterthought for a lot of people. And knowing how to maintain the results, which requires education on how your body works. I personally don't want anyone to be reliant on me. I know some people get off on that. They love when people view them as a guru or put them on a pedestal. That makes my skin crawl. I don't want any grown adult to be reliant on me ever. Even in my group programs, I am your partner walking next to you. I am not above anyone. I don't want anyone to think that I have all the answers. I will guide you and I will give you the information that you need so that you can become your own leader in this process. That is always the end goal. I want you to be fully self-led once you have the information and what you need to focus on. And hell yes, I will walk side by side with you. In my group programs, if you're a one-on-one client, I am right there next to you, but you are the one leading yourself. Okay, so it's a bit of a tangent, but I don't want women to be reliant on me. I want to give you the tools, the skills so that you can flourish and be empowered on your own. So how do we do that? Okay, what are these ultimate techniques that we want to focus on? Firstly, you want to start with the balanced baseline. So consistent, healthy habits, a lifestyle that you really enjoy and that allows you to feel nourished so you're actually healthy, a positive relationship with food, and your biofeedback is already pretty good. So I don't expect perfection where people are feeling 100% all the time, but if you're coming in the door with your biofeedback in the toilet, you're not sleeping because, not because your sleep hygiene is poor, that would be a lifestyle habit, but just because your body's so stressed, really poor energy, Cravings and appetite are all over the place, poor exercise performance, you're really moody, not a good time to go into a deficit, right? 
You want to focus on your health first. So once we have our balanced, what I like to call balanced baseline, that's your happy maintenance mode, understand that you can track. You can, but you do not have to. Okay, let me repeat that. You can track your food. You can even track certain elements of your progress if you want to. You don't have to step on the scale if you don't want to. I encourage most of my clients to, if they're fearful of the scale especially, to get over that so that they take their power back and you realize how chaotic it is during a deficit. That number is going to be all over the damn place. So you learn to look at it with a sense of detachment and a sense of humor. But when it comes to your food, the approach that you're taking with actually getting yourself into a deficit with food, you can track, but you certainly don't have to. And there are pros and cons to both approaches. Okay, so it's understanding and just having informed consent with the approach that you want to take. There are pros and cons of tracking. There are pros and cons of not tracking. And you can absolutely combine the two if you want to. This is the approach that I tend to take. I tend to be a rebel in almost every way in my life. If you tell me to do something, I immediately am going to want to do something else. I like to make things my own most of the time. So this is what I do. I chuck out what I take little bits and pieces of things that are helpful and make it my own. So with tracking, of course, there can be more precision there. Now, the thing here that I find so interesting, and I'll be talking about this a little bit more by the time this episode goes live, I probably already will have, that yes, tracking can be more precise if you are tracking accurately. What I notice with people who are tracking versus not inside of SLA, my clients, is once you understand that you're accountable to yourself, it's a really important mindset shift and a sense of responsibility to carry into the process. Sometimes what I see with tracking is it's an offloading of responsibility saying well the app says that I did this meanwhile you didn't track accurately there's a bunch of other things that you ate that are not in the app so we have this cognitive dissonance where you're saying yeah but the app says this even though meanwhile you know that that wasn't fully accurate whereas if you're not tracking you're having to pay more attention and be more accountable to yourself pulling the wool over your eyes, there's no other numbers you can look at and say, no, but see, I'm doing it because there's nothing else to point to. You either are or you aren't. The results are there or they're not. And you have to continue to make adjustments in order to see the results. So tracking can absolutely be more precise if you're accurately doing it. And it may not be suited to some people's psychology or simply their preferences. If you're not tracking, you need to be very mindful and honest with yourself about your behaviors. goes back to that self-accountability. That's a really important part of that, of not tracking. Number three, you can make the smallest changes possible to see results while still achieving your desired rate of weight loss. So typically that's 0.5 to 1% of your body weight per week for most people, not all. If you recall in the last podcast episode, I talked about how In research, the speed of your weight loss actually does not impact the rate of maintenance. Now, those numbers are pretty dismal anyway because they're not using my approach, okay? Mind-body approach, focusing on the whole damn picture and taking your time, nailing your relationship with food first, healthy habits, mindset in check, understanding the way your body works. 
So understand for the specific type of woman that I work with, which comes from a oftentimes stressful relationship with food history, and they don't want to make changing their physique their whole world. They want to integrate it into their daily lives as smoothly, as seamlessly as possible while still seeing the results. So a slower rate of weight loss is typically preferable there. Rapid fat loss approaches work well for some people, like I noted, but that's not the approach that I teach. And by rapid, I mean usually a deficit of 50% or more. And Martin McDonald, he is based out of the UK. He talks a lot about rapid fat loss approaches. So if you're interested in learning more about that or you feel like that approach is better for you, then go ahead and check that out. But that's not the approach that I teach given the type of clients that I work with. So anywhere from 10 to 30% in terms of a deficit usually works well, depending on a whole slew of factors, okay, including your diet history, stress levels, how adaptive your metabolism is, and more. Now, we want to ensure, and this is a big one, that you're being really fucking consistent before we make changes. So often I hear, oh, I'm at a plateau, when once I drill into what things have been going on with them in terms of their weekends, in terms of little meals out here and there where they haven't been consistent. And yes, having a couple meals, let's say, in a small handful during a week when you're in a deficit that are not exactly according to plan, okay, you're probably still going to be able to see results. But if your weekends, especially if you're already in a mild to moderate deficit to begin with, If your weekends, you're not keeping an eye on things, you can easily get yourself out of a deficit. So most clients don't realize how important consistency is before saying, oh, well, nothing's moving. I need to make more changes. No, you don't. You need to be more consistent. I want you to be more disciplined with your consistency rather than seeking greater changes. And this is where patience and leading yourself is really important. The mindset of this stuff is just as important as your strategy. So get more serious about your consistency for getting impatient and slashing your calories more. And give yourself two to three weeks before decreasing further. And you'll start to notice trends with your own self when it comes to your weight. In, and it can vary from fat loss phase to fat loss phase, but especially within one fat loss phase, just start to pay attention to what your weight is doing and you'll see trends of, oh, it looks like you know it remains relatively stable for seven to 10 days, and then I see a big drop. And then it levels out again for seven to 10 days, and then I see another bigger drop. Everyone, Everyone's weight shifts look different. Next, we want to make the deficit work with your lifestyle and work with your preferences. So an example of this would be calorie cycling. It's eating more during certain days of the week, like your weekends. Diet breaks. And this is beneficial psychologically for some people. There's been a lot of research on diet breaks over the last couple of years. At first, it was thought that there were major biological benefits to diet breaks. So far, that has proven to not be true. But for some people, there are psychological benefits. And different ratios work for different people. It can be as simple as eating at your balanced baseline during the holidays or when you go on vacation, and then you jump right back into your deficit. And ensuring that you're keeping foods and drinks that truly matter to you and letting go of the rest. So this is where that mindset of having some structure and discipline is going to be important 
being very clear on what is important to you, what your values are, what your boundaries are, and then being willing to make some sacrifices, but also holding your boundaries. It's a fine line here of knowing how far to push and accepting that there you can't have everything you want during a fat loss phase. It's just the way it is. And resistance training. We want to ensure that most, if not all, of the weight lost is fat. In order to do so, ideally, I would have you hitting the weights following a progressive overload program. Do I have clients that don't give a shit about progressive overload training? Yes. Do they see results? They sure do. Can I guarantee that the amount of, the ratio rather, of fat lost versus muscle is going to be as high as someone who's doing progressive overload training? No. And they know this. They accept this. That is being a self-led woman and accepting that there are pros and cons to different approaches. That's what they want to do. Great. Fully support that. Other benefits of resistance training is it protects the metabolism. Okay. Because we're having more muscle on our frames. Aging. Our BMR actually doesn't increase until we are 60. So the age old, no pun intended, rhetoric and story around, oh my gosh, I'm in my 30s and my 40s and my metabolism is declining. That is not true. BMR doesn't decrease until around 60. The reason that our total daily energy expenditure, which is different from our baseline metabolism or BMR, our BMR is the amount of energy that we're just using every day if we were to lay at rest. Total daily energy expenditure is often decreased as we get older because there's a decrease in muscle mass and because we're just not moving as much. We tend to become more sedentary as we get older. Both of those factors are within our control. Okay, so resistance training and adding muscle, very important. And included inside of SLA, there is the ultimate guide to resistance training to get you started for beginner, novice, and intermediate trainers, um, trainees rather. There is programming and education included on how the whole thing works. Okay, so resistance training is something that I strongly recommend. You're a grown-ass woman. If you decide that you do not want to be lifting and following, following this type of programming, that's totally fine. It's just informed consent is what I care about. And planning your deficit around stress. So this goes back to the first point and absolutely listen to my last podcast episode if you have not already but it bears repeating. Being in a period of chronic stress or when your stress bucket is just already packed to the brim makes everything harder. It makes appetite regulation more challenging. Exercise recovery, the ability to build and maintain muscle mass is going to be much more difficult. Not to mention if you are stressed, highly stressed, your sleep is probably not going to be great and that has downstream effects as well. So try your best to plan your deficit around stress. Now, just to revisit everything that we discussed here, one, start with a balanced baseline. Make sure that you're coming into this with a strong foundation. Number two, you can track, but you don't have to. It's a matter of understanding the pros and cons, the pros and the cons to both approaches. Informed consent, you get to decide what you want to do. Make the smallest changes possible to see results. That's number three. For those who have a history with a, an unfortunate negative relationship with food, 
aka me and all the clients that I work with, this is typically the best approach. Okay, so practicing patience and focusing on your mindset and protecting your relationship with food, this is going to be a really important partner in that process. Number four is ensuring that you're actually being consistent for making changes. I want you to get more serious about your consistency before you start to get serious about making changes. You don't need anything more extreme. You just need more focus and execution. It's not fun always, but just whenever you're stuck in that phase of, ugh, I feel like nothing's happening, just say, okay, do I want to get this over with here? Let's just get this done with. So that in two, three months, I can look back and say, woof, I'm so glad I gave that my all. I'm so glad I was consistent and focused. Number five, make the deficit work with your lifestyle and your preferences. Okay, customize it to you. It doesn't have to be black and white. If there's anything I get across to you, there are so many different ways to skin a cat when it comes to fat loss. Most people are drilling home. You have to do it my way. I loathe that. To me, that's gatekeeping. That's acting like there's some special formula for changing your body. There are so many different ways that you can do it. And I want you to customize it to you so that this stands the test of time, so that you know how many options you have and you can adjust and tailor things to you and your lifestyle as your lifestyle shifts, as your body shifts, as your priorities and preferences shift throughout your life. I want you to have this information forever so that you're never left to be a victim again to bullshit. I want to create a community of so many strong women who just own their bodies, their health journey, their choices because they feel so deeply empowered with everything that they know. Okay, number six, resistance train. You don't have to, but I strongly recommend it, not even for the physique results, but just the health benefits for having muscle and for the act of resistance training itself are tremendous. And number seven, plan your deficit around your stress. Again, revisit my last episode, podcast episode. I go into this into this a little bit more deeply when it comes to the impact that chronic stress has on the metabolism and why it's so important for you to understand. So that is all for today. Reminder doors are opening for SLA on the 22nd and we start as a group on February 1st. I would love to have you if you feel that you are ready. You can go ahead and take the quiz that I have linked below to see if what course or what resource of mine will be best for you depending on where you are in your journey. And if that is SLA, I can't wait to see you inside when the doors open on the 22nd. As always, my DMs are open over on Instagram. If you have any questions, you want to make sure that SLA or another approach is right for you, go ahead and drop me a line in there. And I would be more than happy to discuss it with you. Sending you all the love. I will see you in the next episode.